Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. As always, I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. And if you like the show, make sure to like it on social media. Uh, subscribe, comment, review us. Do all the stuff that allows art that you enjoy to spread. And speaking of art that I enjoy, uh, I'm very happy to have Dylan Brody on the show. Dylan is... Comedian and storyteller? Is that the best way to describe? I, I now go with humorist and humorist? storyteller. Okay. Although I've recently figured out how to adapt what I'm doing to a proper comedy stage again. So I headlined in Saratoga Springs a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. it's very exciting to be able to do comedy clubs again and be in that world when I want to. Well, I discovered who you were actually through Pandora Comedy when Pandora was first starting. Well, not first starting as music. It was doing music forever. But Pandora launched their comedy channel and the first thing I wanted to do was go, oh, this is a discovery engine. I'm going to use it to discover people. And most of the people who were on it that I hadn't heard of yet, I was like, oh, well, this is why I haven't heard of them. But I really enjoyed your stuff. I found, I found your style to be very intelligent and very engaging. Well, I strive to not suck. It's, you did a wonderful job Thank of not you. sucking. Thank you. As, as from an, on a scale of one to not suck. I think you were definitely a not suck. Score. Um, I thought you were great. I still I still remember the bit. Uh, it was about uh, it was about it was a cousin or a niece or something about a uh, like a Confederate T-shirt. Oh, Do you know which that, one I'm talking that about? This is called uh, "The South Will Rise Again." Trip to Fan Notwithstanding. It was on <laughs> I believe my first or second album with Stand Up Records. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do know what one you're talking about. It's interesting. I've done a since then. I've done a a revisitation to a, a second story about visiting my in-laws in the Deep South yeah. uh, with more insight into what that friction is about. And now I've just become acquainted with the well-read comedy guys. Do you know these guys? No. They are liberal Southerners. Um, yeah. There was a guy who, who sort of made a name for himself, Trey Crowder, I want to say, uh, yeah. uh, on the interwebs, on YouTube, as the, the liberal redneck. Yeah. Doing rants about progressive topics and and his smart take on the news uh and now he's joined up with a bunch of other really smart liberal southerners and they go out and confuse people by having thick accents and <laughs> being brilliant do you know who they are uh, who are the know, other names i'm very sorry i should i'm familiar with trey I should have their names offhand because yeah. they've all done my podcast. Yeah, but because we'll look them up. We'll I'm look them up. Hyper, I'm hyper focused on what I'm doing here today for you. Yes, I do not have that information. Which I in very much brain. appreciate the focus. Thank you, Dylan. You're quite welcome, Steve. So may I call you Steve Hofstetter? You may call me the, my full name. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Steve Hofstetter. <laughs> so this is actually the first time. So I I was in touch via email after that. Yes. And uh, that was when I was still running Morty's and I had you come do shows at Morty's. Yes. And that did not go well for you, but went very well for me. Well, we were still new and we were still figuring out how to market. Right. So oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. We it was not your fault at all. Oh yeah. good. I am much relieved to hear that. This is yeah, this was we were still figuring out how to market how to like because there were celebrities which could sell tickets. Right. And but never as much as they charged us. And then there were people who we referred to as the just funnies, which are people who they're great, but they don't have the draw yet. That's me. So, yeah, the yeah. just funnies. Yeah. And so just funnies are great, by the way, because they're the best bang for your buck. And celebrity comics often will will not try. Yeah. You know, they'll go in and be like, oh, I'm collecting a paycheck and I don't give a shit about this. Whereas the just funnies will bring their A game. So yeah. I very much recommend going see the just funnies. So, but we've been in touch for years, 
And this is the first time we've actually gotten to sit down and talk. And it's a very exciting moment for me because uh, I invent people in my head Okay. when I'm only dealing with them through email and stuff. Yeah. And then I always get to have this sort of weight off my shoulders relaxation when I actually meet the person and then reality can take over and I don't have to support an entire human in my brain. Oh yeah, you had to, it's yeah. like it's like uh, Janet from The Good Place. I don't know if you watch, but she had to make all those humans. Yeah. So, so I don't think that was a spoiler. Um, <laughs> so it was just one little plot line. But anyway, um, how different am I from the Dylan Brody version of me? I thought you were taller. Really? Yeah, I thought you were like 6'4". I am 6'4". Oh, well then- uh, I'm sitting down right now. Oh, that makes oh, so much more sense. Oh, yeah. Jesus. That's well, so funny do because- Do you mind if I sit? Yeah, okay, <laughs> I appreciate that. So this is gonna be a fun one. So the comment I get most often at shows is from people, like the, the most common comment is, I didn't think you'd be this tall. Uh, and it's funny that the first thing you say is, oh, I thought you were taller. I, yeah, well, I sort of went with that. I figured, yeah, with I the, figured as much because yeah. you're used to hearing, oh, my God, you're so yeah. – and I figured I'd go the other way. I finally – my standard reaction now is just like, well, the screen's so small. Nice. And that's all nice. just because – Panavision. Also, I'm, yeah, I'm never standing next to anything on the screen. I've got to right. – what I've started doing now – at the end of my shows, I always do a Q&A. And what I've started doing recently – I haven't even posted any of them yet – is – I'll invite some of uh, like my openers up and join me for the Q&A. And part of that is because they're so witty and so quick and it's fun to play off each other. And part of it is just so that finally I'm standing next to somebody and so you can actually see them tall. That's very clever. So yeah, it's all it's all a ruse. It's all it's, just a yeah. clever ruse. You know, the audience will never know everything we're doing on stage. They yeah. can't. It's part of the skill and the craft. Mm -hmm. um, so they don't understand that these people are merely yardsticks. That's right. And they don't, <laughs> they don't understand that uh, – the, the conversational throwaway improvised line is something we've done 140 times. Yes. Right? Like there's all of that stuff that's going on in a set that causes them to buy into the premise that, next, oh, now he's serious. Now he's actually going to get, oh, no, yeah. that was another joke. I ah, took us by surprise again. I believe that the hardest thing to do in comedy is making prepared material look off the cuff. Ron Darian, yeah. a comic who I, he's, you know, big television writer now, I guess, mm -hmm. for the last hundred years. Uh, but when I started Very successful. Out, that's a long time. Yeah, that's a, long, that's a long career in this town. Yeah. Um, he, he <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to follow that down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was one <laughs> of the, the big kids at the improv when I got in in New York when I was 17. Okay. And uh, there was a night that we were outside getting high because that's what I did when I was 17 and working at the improv. Um, and I said, I got these new jokes and I, can't figure out how to, how to work them in tonight. And he said, uh, here's the rule, Dylan. Do the new stuff like you've been doing it for 15 years. Do the old stuff like you just thought of it today. That is 100% true. Isn't that good? No wonder he's been writing for 100 years. That's brilliant. I could see why he, why he held that it job It changed the way I thought about presenting new material. But it, and but it is because so often, like – you know, I'll be touring with my guys and they'll be working on something new and, you know, they'll do it and it does pretty well. And they're like, yeah, I think it has legs. And I'm like, yeah, it will as soon as you believe in it. Yeah. Because the way you just said it was like, eh, I don't really know. You basically apologize for having this oh, thought. Oh, God. I hate and, that. you know, but that happens a lot when it's something new. Because yeah. even if you're excited about it, you're like a little unsure how to bring it up, you know, but you just have to say it. One of the things that, 
I've been exploring and experimenting with in my performance because I evolved yeah. dramatically as a comic. When I started, I was a when I first moved to LA, right? I've been doing stand up for I guess three or four years then. Yeah. Um, and I was a left leaning machine gun stand up comic. I was four to one laugh per minute ratio for as long as I was on stage, nothing but setup and punchline. I was John Fugel saying. Yeah. Right? Um, before there was a John Fugel saying. I was yeah. that guy. Bam, 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 and all left-leaning. And I was too stoned all the time to understand that that wasn't selling politically at that time. Yeah. And that that was really holding me back in some ways. Uh, but I was really focused on all jokes. And unlike you, I have never enjoyed playing with hecklers. Okay. I, I believe you enjoy it. I may be wrong. I enjoy winning. Okay. That doesn't mean... I I would I, I would that. I would certainly rather the way I put it is, it's like, snipers are really good at killing people, but I'm sure they'd all rather just sit on a roof and eat a sandwich. That's a better day. Oh, nice. And uh, so, you uh, I've seen your your YouTube videos. You yeah. You revel in taking down a heckler when it happens. It and is, you, and you promote yourself on it. it right? Yes, I definitely promote myself on it, and it is to me it is it is a justice thing. Now, as a for comic, sure. yeah. When I was a regular straight-ahead stand-up comic, I would go after him hard and fast, and I had material written that was demeaning and mean and hostile yeah. and would just shut them down and let me get back to my work. Now, as a humorist and storyteller, where I go on in a much gentler way than I used to, yeah. uh, and I have all the time in the world, and I'm going to pause, and I'm going to tell stories, and you're going to come with me, um, it's still very conversational. Yeah. And my hecklers are different. And when people heckle me now, it's because they think we're having a conversation. Yeah. It's not that they think they're going to help me be funny. It's not that they're going to disrupt my show and see how witty I can be. It's that they think we're having a conversation because they had a couple of drinks and I just said something that sounded like a rhetorical question. You know. And suddenly to them, it's so funny. That type of heckler is so funny to me. The person who just, there's 200 other people in this room and they're just like, oh, this one's for me. Yeah. This yeah. was for me. Oh, we're, yeah. Now they we're... just completely forget where they are, who they're with, what the situation is, or they're looking around at everybody else thinking they're doing it wrong. Yes. And for a long time, I would just automatically revert to my old persona when it happened. I'm going to defend my <laughs> space. Right. So I would just. Oh, you can't do that that way. I no. would go from, you know, well, you know, I was sitting on the porch with my dad, and so I would say, oh, I used to sit on the porch with my dad. Hey, you, you will never outcool me, bastard. Like, I was like, into yeah. their faces. And like, yeah. the whole audience was like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. This guy could twig at any moment. Oh, good God. Because it was what I had in my repertoire. Right. And I've just started playing with what happens if I then invite them in? What if I'm now interviewing this person? Oh, this person is now part of my show? All right, we're going to have a conversation. Well, the one of the keys, I think, for dealing with hecklers is understanding that each comic has to deal with them in a different way yeah. and according to your comedy. Yeah. My comedy is very condescending. Right. And so I can continue that with a heckler. I have I learned a long time ago that I'm not up there being likable. I'm up there I'm not up there with people rooting for me. I'm up there as a general. I'm up there leading people into war. It's a very different it's it's a very different way of very... yeah the dynamic that's exactly the word, and I like Dana Dute who's been on the show who's a good friend of mine and we would do colleges together. What Dana do I have also did it's yeah, <laughs> so exactly, 
So he, there was one college that we did where we both had people interrupt us and he was just so much friendlier to them. And I was joking about it with him afterward about the idea where it's like, well, they want you to succeed. They want me to be funny. Yeah. Like those are two very different things. Well, no, they're not. They're very similar things. Well, they are. But the but dynamic they, is different. The, the, the texture is different. The friction is different. Right. The tension is different. Ah. And I have a, you know, I have a buddy, uh, Chris Bowers, who I saw. Him who deal, I met when I was at Morty's. Yes, that's right. Room. So uh, Chris deals, like I saw him deal with a heckler once that was so funny because his persona is a lot more of inviting people in, in a way. And so there was someone who was interrupting him, and he just started acting so hurt and just started doing like the, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm pursuing my dream, man. This is the time that you're going to. Oh, and like just sweet. And just watching the heckler end up like the crowd being horrified at this heckler. And then eventually he just flips it and he's like, no, man, just shut up. Come on. And it was great. And like, but I couldn't do that. That wouldn't fit in with my character. And so I 100% see where you're coming from. And that's why I was laughing already. The idea of a, you know, of a long form comedian being like the being machine gun at a heckler is hilarious to me. Well, it would be if I could if I could do it without reverting to the childhood self that I no longer want to be. Oh, it's the situation is what's hilarious, not the actual <laughs> it happening. You know, the, <laughs> the, the idea of just just from a, you know, when, when you sit in the back as a comic, you see different things than the audience sees. And I just love that idea because your style and the thing that drew me to you in the first place was you have this very come with me engaging style. And... To, you know, and that's why I say storyteller. And I refer to myself as a storytelling comic. You know, it's part of like I tell stories in my act, but you are someone who your performance is almost like like reading a book with someone. Paul Provenza yeah. gave me one of my favorite blurbs ever. Who and I love Paul. He's a great, too. great guy. Paul has been incredibly generous to me over the years. He uh he starred in the first film that I directed. Uh, two summers ago, yeah, uh, and made it possible for me. To, I mean, without him, I couldn't have made that film. He's just yeah. an incredibly sweet man. Uh, and he once said uh, of me, he treats comedy as literature. Yeah, and, that's what I was getting at, and that's very much how I think. But about he said it. it better. Well, he just said it more briefly. Yeah. Um, although he didn't, I pulled that out of the paragraph long blurb that I could not use. Um, <laughs> So maybe he and I said the same thing. Yeah, exactly. But it, but it is. It is It is like reading a book with someone. Well, I love to hear that. Um, but, I, you know, I came up in the regular world of comedy. I will tell you, uh, I know because of the premise of the show, yeah. I will tell you a, a story about a horrible, horrible gig that I had right near the end of I'm doing stand-up and I'm a regular stand-up comic. Can you tell us after the break? Of course. Oh, that's that was a professional way to do it. Uh, come come join us in a moment. We'll hear the story of failure. Welcome back to Failing Forward. I'm joined here by Dylan Brody, and you're about to tell me a horrible gig story. Which horrible I gig story. Love horrible gig stories. Oh my god! So it's that uh, should be my new podcast. Just people telling horrible gig stories. Oh, I would be in. I yeah. have like I have like twelve of those stories, and could come up with another forty nine. It's a web series right there. Yeah. Um. So. I'm in my early 20s. Yeah. I am I have just married uh my lovely wife, still my lovely wife. 
whose name escapes me at the moment. And <laughs> um, we did an East Coast trip to, she was going to meet my grandmother who was just starting to suffer from Alzheimer's. Uh, she she'd reached that, she just reached that point where I don't know if you've dealt with Alzheimer's, but there's a point in the disease's progress, at which it's just damned entertaining. Yeah, and she was there, like uh, so. It's right before it tips over to sad. Yes, like every time she saw me, she thought it was my birthday and gave me five dollars. Yeah, you know, so I kept having to go in and out of that room. Um, <laughs> and I, here's here's how it works, I, and I I will get to the story in a moment, but yeah. with Alzheimer's. There's this point at which every conversation just turns into a 1970s game show where you're, you're, you're trying to guess what she's going. Uh, so I went into that place with the buildings in this Manhattan. Yes. And <laughs> I was just playing pyramid. I was with I was with that horrible woman. She had the long, boring stories. Your best friend, Katie. No flower dresses that I can't say. Aunt Sarah. Yes. And we saw that man who used to be awful in New York, and then he was awful all over the country, and now he's awful from space. Howard Stern, yes! Like, that's going on all the time. Who are I thought, you? by the way, until you said space, I thought you were getting at Trump. But uh, oh, I, that's, I, 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 I would have um, lost the game show. That's fine. Yeah. Who are you, people? Things you shout from the bathroom. Um, Which, by the way, when my grandmother went through that, every time I called her, she thought I was my brother. And after a certain point, I want to be like, why am I? He could just call. Yeah. Like, what yeah. am I? Let him handle this. Yeah. What am I even doing here? Sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we went on this trip. She met my grandmother, who was still lovely at that point, if a little forgetful, and my parents and my uncles and aunts and stuff. And then we're in New Jersey, and I'm booked at a gig in Atlantic City that is going to defray the expense. Oh, I have done those trips. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm the headliner. My wife is going to come with me after we're done with all the family tension. We're going to have a nice romantic night in this fancy hotel where I'm headlining. Did you think the gig was going to be good when you went in? Yes. Okay. Um, that always makes it worse. So I call the guy before we leave my grandmother's place to drive down to Atlantic City, and I say, just confirming that we're on for tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, and I got a room. Oh, there's no room. I, you said there was a room for No, there's no room. Oh. Okay, I'll find something cheap in the area. And now my wife is like, okay, if, this, if we're going to be staying at a cheap hotel, I might as well take the earlier flight home. Yeah. She goes to the airport by cab. And for an earlier flight, and I go to the horrible gig. Yeah. Where there is no, and the, the feature act is also going, weren't we supposed to have a room? I was like, I yeah. thought we were. Turns out we don't have a room because the guy's in a dispute with the hotel. We're not going to be in the showroom. He's taped a vinyl banner up yeah. in the parking lot. Oh, no. And oh. set up a little stage and oh. folding chairs. Oh, no. So we're performing. Oh, this got so much worse than I thought it would be. With like, it's hard to breathe because of the fumes, and people are upset, and the waitresses have to take the elevator up and back to get drinks. They're still serving drinks from the hotel they can't be in. That's taking forever every time, and they don't have proper change, so the audience is annoyed and upset and disappointed with what their experience is. And uh, and I go up at the end of the evening. And I'm doing everything I can, you know, to yeah. just keep it light and keep it funny. And I'm talking about how I'm firing my agent and they're 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 liking me, except that sometimes they can't hear me because uh, people are driving past looking for parking. 
and are confused to find some bizarre art installation in which a depressed comic stands on a stage in a parking lot and talks to unhappy, disappointed tourists. I need to do this as a web series. This and then, is a standalone web uh, series for At sure. the end of the evening, uh, we do two shows. Thursday night, two shows. Yeah. At the end of the evening, uh, the guy says to me, if you're not going to do a better show than that, you are fired. The guy... The guy who's booked me. The guy who booked you in the parking lot. The guy who booked me for... Yeah. I'm so sorry. That is so unprofessional of me. That is... That's a very jazzy ringtone. Well, thank you. Um, so... So I say to him, oh, you don't understand. If you don't put me in the showroom and come up with a room for me, I'm not doing the next two nights. You're paying me for tonight. And he, in a cocaine-fueled rage, wads up $20 bills and throws them at my face and chest until I do the, the, you know, the hooker shame crawl to collect them. That's the toughest part of that. Like, I, I was in that situation once where, like, there was uh, one of my clubs where there was someone we were kicking out, and I was like, you're not leaving until you pay your bill, though, and you tip. And... He did, and he tipped very well in it because he was very drunk and didn't even understand, and he, like, threw it on the floor, and I had to be like, all right, fine, and then, like, bend down, pick it up. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you there's, no, there's, <laughs> you there's no way to. to do that with your dignity. Yeah. Weirdly, I then, you know, go to the motel that I've checked into, grab my stuff, get in my rental car, and go to the airport. My wife's flight that she had gotten early has been canceled. I walk into my wife in the airport. Because her flight has been canceled, they comp us a hotel, we get a nice night in a hotel room, and fly home together the next that day. That is wonderful. <laughs> oh, what a fun twist. Yeah. Uh, the idea that, like, that that human being is a human being. He's furious that I'm not doing a better show in his garage. Yeah, like, yeah. he doesn't... I don't understand. I'm not wired that way. Like, oh, he was wired. The, <laughs> yeah, I'm not wired that way either. But the idea of if I had promised someone something and it didn't go through, I'd be mortified. Yeah, I would be absolutely I would be, mortified. I would be out of pocket to put the comic in a hotel room. There was a there was a comic who I had. Uh, I used to book this bar in it was some bar in Pensacola, Florida, had like reached out, you know, heard about me through someone else, reached out, oh, we're looking to do a comedy night, we're doing a once a month thing. We did it for about six months, and it went fine. You know, it's nothing to write home about, but a decent paycheck. The last night that it was booked, um, they closed the bar three days earlier and didn't tell us. We find out from a comic who got there, and they were like, this bar doesn't exist anymore. And so the two comics who were on that show, I paid them out of pocket what they would have made for the show anyway. Good for you. And thank you. And I said, sorry you went down there for nothing because those kind of gigs, most of what you're going down there for isn't the money. It's for the stage time. It's for the practice. Yeah. And they didn't get to have that, so at least you should get the money. So that same guy, probably two years later, is pissed. Not the guy from the bar, but one of the comics who I paid out of pocket, is pissed off because I won't hire him at Morty's. And it's just, he wasn't, he was good enough for a bar in Pensacola, but not to headline a full-time comedy, comedy club, club that yeah. was not an A room, but pretty close. And so uh, he's all pissed, and this is another Bowers story, where he 
you know, he's talking shit about like, how dare he and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and he kept saying about, you know, I can't stand that Hostetler does this and Hostetler does that. And Bowers just go, well, maybe he'd book you if you knew his fucking name. And it was just such a great, Bowers nice. is great. But the Do you happen to remember the name of the feature act that worked with me up there? A that local same guy who weekend, was so wonderful. There's no way I would know offhand, okay. but I know some local guys. It was Todd McComas? No, no, he was just some goofy, wonderful kind of Ryan, Brian Cockery kind of guy. Uh, uh, John Fenler. Oh, that might be it. Yeah. Whee! Does he do it? Yeah. Yeah. Does, yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Fenler. That's so he was funny. Wonderful. Yeah, he's he was John was a guy who you either got him or you didn't. Like I saw him, I, I took him on the road a couple times, and I saw audiences love him, and audiences go, "What the hell is happening right now?" Yeah, because it was he was different. He was you know there was a little Stephen Wright to him. There was a little you know there was a little Hedberg to him. A layer of sadness under everything Absolutely. he's doing. It's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, he was uh oh he's such a goofball. Um. Okay, so aside, what, can I, what can I tell you? About? Aside from the fact that you have now given me a wonderful idea for a separate web series, yes, which is is happening. Okay, you, good. You've heard it here. First. I'm in. It's absolutely. Um, but but how do you and look? Obviously, you from that gig you ended up in a nice hotel and you know spent you know spent the, a lovely evening. But there is a moment I know when I've been through stuff like this. No matter how much I don't ever want to work with that person again, I still somehow feel guilty. I still somehow feel bad. Oh, yeah. I still have that in me. Do you oh, have that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is the worst. Yeah. No, somehow I have failed because this did not go right and, and I am not adequate to every circumstance. And yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Guilt and shame. And self-loathing, it all comes up with all of that. I, I had a, um, there was this gig I was doing for less than a fifth of my normal price. It was a little bit after I got divorced, and I'm just trying to stay on the road as much as possible. And I do a gig, it's booked by someone I work with a lot, but it's it's his lesser room, basically. And But I do the gig, They I get approval from uh, from the owner of it, to do this thing with my fans where I'm like, oh, two for one tickets because I knew they weren't selling well. And the tickets were 20 bucks. So a bunch of people buy those and that's good and you know have a good number of people coming out. Um, I get there, they've moved it. It was a hotel bar gig that they've now moved into the breakfast area of the hotel. Okay. <laughs> the banner, the vinyl banner. Yeah, the vinyl banner. Is in front Never of the a buffet. Good sign. In front of the buffet. So... Uh, it's absolute garbage. Of the 30, 40 people there, 25, 30 of them are mine. Um, I get there, and there's a big sign outside that says, tickets, $10. And I was like, whoa, I just advertised to everybody. Two for one two at for 20. One at 20. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, we didn't sell well the last couple of weeks, so we decided to discount all the tickets. And I was like, but you can't just do, you can't do, now I look like an asshole. And they're doing everything wrong. Um, the feature ordered fries. It took them 45 minutes, and they brought them to them cold. Um, it took me a half hour to get a bottle of water. Like, just, it was miserable. At one point during one of the shows, um, I was political, left-leaning as you are. 
and not nearly as left leaning as I was. Yeah, I still am personally, but you, not in my you, act. You were, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in your act, you weren't left leaning. You were left laying. Yeah, like exactly. Up, I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so, I was, I was, I was advocating for Marxism pretty much across the yeah. America. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, this one woman yelled out that I was stupid, and I just was like, "Why am I stupid? Tell me why I'm stupid." And she doesn't say anything. So I'm like, no, 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 you're going to call me stupid. You got to you got to back it up. Yeah. That, let's, that takes let's evidence. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. You and can't hold that hearing in private. You got to actually bring that out in the public. Right. You can't. <laughs> it's the yeah, the 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 battle cry of a stupid person is calling someone else stupid. Yes. So which I guess or I technically very low did just IQ. now. Very low IQ. That's yeah. the battle cry of the stupid. person. Exactly. That is certainly the modern version. So. Uh, so then her husband starts answering and I go, no, 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 man, this isn't 1950. You're going to let her speak. Nice. Thank you. And it's a three-minute interaction back and forth. It's not that bad. I'm just getting her to defend what she's saying, which she doesn't really do. So then they leave. And then at the end of the show, I talk about it again for another three minutes, making fun of it, to a crowd of my people. Yeah. And uh, in a 60-minute show, it is a total of six minutes. I went back and I watched the tape just to be like, am I wrong here? Which even the fact that I had in my head, am I wrong? I yeah. should have been like, no, fuck them. When I went to like say goodbye and everything, I got reamed out by the manager there telling me that like you don't insult our crowd and how dare you and you're rude to the staff, like all this <laughs> stuff. And I was like, what do you have my back? Like this is someone can't like, oh, well, they're regulars. I'm like, well, they shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. They should not be here. And it was just everything went wrong. Oh, they also got pissed at me for even doing the discount in the first place. Even though I had their bosses, I showed an email. I was like, this is your boss saying I could do this. Well, he didn't tell us. I'm like, well, then be mad at him. This isn't my fault. I didn't do any of this. And even that night, as much as I was like, fuck these people, I'm never coming back. I even said that to them, which I never do. But because they said something about like, oh, we're not going to ask for you back. And I said, like, that's an option. Yeah. Like what I should have done for real is when she started saying that she didn't like what I was doing, I should have been like, well, thanks so much for letting me know. Have a good night. And I should have kept walking. And but that's a lesson you have to learn when you fuck it up. And I still had that in me of, oh, they hate me. I don't want them to hate me. Here's the difficulty for for, not just for comics, for all artists. It's part of why I'm building this business. Really, Mm -hmm. Um, We are artists. Are you from the East Coast? Yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, on the East Coast, we are raised with this belief that artists are this sort of fringe part of society that get to say all the stuff that they want to say and do exactly what they want to do. And if they do it well, they will be rewarded and have a career and success. Yeah. And that's a lie. <laughs> because they get several lies. We we live in a, we live in a capitalist society. Yeah. Where success is determined by income. And those of us who grow up under this this artistic mythology move into the heart of the entertainment industry, which is an industry dedicated to profit. And again, I, this, I would have figured this out sooner had I not been so stoned for the first <laughs> 15 years of my career. Fair. And it really, I really self-sabotaged right, without want, knowing I was I doing it. I want to see where this, one, where this is going. Um, I'm very curious. But I, I was furious because I was saying over and over again, uh, entertainment is the word people use when they don't want to take responsibility for what they say through their art. You know, I feel that television and film and mass media is using art to send repetitive, terrible, horrible messages to people constantly. And this infuriated me. 
-hmm. How dare they? Because I know how I believe the world works and should work, and they're not doing it right. Yeah. More recently, since, you know, 20 years of sobriety now or whatever it is, 15, 20, uh, there was a recent relapse, but yeah. we'll discuss that another time. Um, quitting smoking popped the second time way harder. Um, way, and I could already feel myself planning to experiment with the third. Um, but uh, the, they're doing their job, the people in the entertainment industry. Their job is to make money. Yeah. If we as artists want to be careful about what we say and work in the entertainment industry, then we just have to accept that we have to serve two masters. We have to create work that can sell to a mass audience and make profit for those people at the same time that we live up to our own artistic ideals and say the things that we want to say. Shonda Rhimes is managing it. Aaron Sorkin is managing it. But because I was stoned all the time, I was going, no, no, you have to do it the way I want it to be done because my way is right because it's what I believe. But I will argue that that was true. Oh, I will argue. That, let's go. I don't, I don't, I don't know got why like I got hostile left. there for a second. So <laughs> I will argue that that was true until recently. Because for the first time now, you've got guys like me where I'm not in the mainstream entertainment industry. I don't have a sitcom. I don't have a talk show. I've The only two movies I've been in, I've been in one scene, and one of them was written and directed by friends of mine. But I exist in this industry because I say whatever the fuck I want. But because we have direct to fans now. So there is a, for the first time in thousands of years, there are professional philosophers. For the first time in thousands oh, of years, hope. It's, it's amazing. It absolutely gives me hope because you can say whatever it is you want as long as you are, as long as you understand that and this is the part where I agree with you. The entertainment industry doesn't have a responsibility to back you. The entertainment industry, even individuals don't have a responsibility to back you. You say whatever you want and people are like, oh, they're canceling people. It's like, well, they're mad at what that person said. And while some of it is unreasonable to me, I don't decide that. And if you feel it's unreasonable and you don't want that person canceled, well, then go support their social media. And go support their independent projects because I could right now not even tour and I could still make a living on my Patreon and my videos and stuff that I create on my own. That is fantastic. You are much younger than I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm 40. You I know, say I'm not it, a kid. You're much younger than okay, I am. Okay, fair. Um if if I had if I had had that kind of sensibility at forty, I'd be a very different person right now. Yeah. Um, and yes, that's all possible. But I want mass media involvement. I want it. Okay. I want to create. Fine. I want to create television that reaches into every home in America and makes people laugh and makes people weep and changes the way people think. And that is actually, and that is the reason why I am still doing pitch meetings. I am still creating projects, and I am, and it's because you can influence people while playing the game. Yes. Um, I was just making making the point for those listening that you you don't have to compromise your ideals, and you also don't have to stick to your ideals. It is a choice of yes. where you want to be in this 
in this spectrum. Yes. And what I am proposing with my company, with uh, uh, Active Voice Productions, yeah. liber Liberal Arts Entertainment, is that the work that we have the option of doing both. We have the opportunity in this landscape to bring artistic level idealism to a profit-driven entertainment scape. That, uh, that we can create museum quality art for entertainment industry level profits. Well, since we have to wrap up anyway, let's plug the hell out of this. So, Active Voice Productions. Go to activevoiceproductions.com. You can get coaching on your writing, on your development of your artistic projects. Uh, you can get ghostwriting if you need it. You can get writing for hire. Uh, and that's the company through which I support all of my own productions. A uh, new album coming soon in which I uh, co-created uh, uh, an evening with Chauncey Bowers, a wonderful uh, musician. You can uh, find me at dylanbrody.com, where you can buy all of my books and CDs from the stand-up records years and all the downloads from the rooftop comedy years and whatever is coming next will be available there soon, as well as my, my novel and my humor book. And, uh, and you can find me at Dylan Brody at Twitter, at the Dylan Brody at Facebook, and at Dylan Brody at Instagram and Active Voice Productions at Instagram. Dylan Brody, humorist and, uh, and an absolute pleasure to talk to. And... Uh, co-creator of my very new web series. Uh, I don't even know what to call it yet. Yeah, we'll figure that yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to interview comedians about the worst shit that they've done. Uh, it's, it's Hell a, gig. It's, the the it's, series is called Hell gig. I'm going to call it Failing Backwards. So uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, watching. Standing up, falling down. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for watching, subscribing, uh, listening, sharing with your friends, all that stuff, and we'll see you again next week. If you've been touching yourself through this show, I firmly approve.